the first day I went in, because he wanted to pitch the scene to me. I, I went in, it was freelance. I was still working at Disney at the time. I think it was early on before, um, before uh, Pocahontas really got going. So we had downtime. So uh, I wanted to work with Chuck Jones. This is my only chance. So I went over to the place where he was at. It was at the old Warner Roots studio lot there. And I'm in his office and he says, he's sitting down, he's going through and it's like, well, this scene, the Roadrunner. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. But in my mind, I'm going, it's Chuck Jones. <laughs> I, just, I didn't even hear a word he said. Thankfully, the scene got cut and he gave me another one that was a scene with a huge mouse or whatever. But <laughs> but I was so over the moon that I was actually getting pitched a scene by Chuck Jones, you know, and it was of a coyote, you know, it's, it's just, it was just, it blew my mind. And at the end, I, I had a scene of uh, a cell um, of, um, it was, um, what was it? It was a Bugs Bunny cell from Bully for Bugs, original yeah. Bully for Bugs um, cell. And I had him sign it to me and he says, well, don't tell Linda. She wouldn't want me to do it, but I'll do it. So he signed it to me and all that stuff. So I have actually two cells. He visited, he visited Pocahontas early on. He visited the studio, and I had, a, and I knew he was coming, so I brought in a Daffy Duck cell from, from uh, Robin Hood Daffy. Oh, such a good Daffy, one. Right? Yeah. So I had a cell of that, and I got him to sign that. So I have two signed Chuck Jones cells of both, the one Daffy and the other Bugs, and it's just. Uh, Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week I sit down with Disney legend Nick Ranieri. Nick has animated some of the greatest characters from the House of Mouse. Characters like Ursula from The Little Mermaid, Jafar from Aladdin, Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast, Hades from Hercules, Cusco from one of my favorite movies of all time, The Emperor's New Groove. We go all over the map on this episode, touching as many of the movies and TV shows that he's worked on. It was a real blast talking with Nick and getting to hear firsthand stories about folks like Chuck Jones, Andreas Dasia, Glenn Keane, and Eric Goldberg. Enjoy the show. For setting this one up, Sandra. So uh, when I reached out to you and I, I had to take a look because I knew the name, right? But I didn't know how deep your portfolio goes, right? So I just started, I type in, I Google Nick Ranieri and I just click on the IMDb thing. And I'm like, holy shit, Ursula. Hold, wait, whoa, whoa, Roger Rabbit is where we started. Then Ursula. And then you got, you got, I'm going to just read them off. You got Lumiere, you got Jafar, you got Miko, you got Hades, you got Cusco. And that's just the first fucking 10 years, really, when I started looking at everything. And I'm just like, dude, what is, this guy has done all of the great villains of the Renaissance when it comes down to it, like Ursula terrifying right when i was a little kid apparently this was the movie as a one-year-old that i would just watch like they would i would have a meltdown and i would be upset because i'm a one-year-old baby they would put in the little mermaid on vhs maybe a couple years old because i think we were born the same year little mermaid came out in 89 so maybe one two years old somewhere around there um but they would put it in and i would just stop i would just be mesmerized maybe it's because i have red hair and ariel had red hair i don't know what it was i love going back and i've had uh, I've had the, the 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 song for the Little Mermaid stuck in my head for the last couple of days, and I think it's because I've been listening to the Disney soundtracks. I knew I was getting ready to talk to you, and I knew the Ursula chat would come up because we actually had some fans' questions about Ursula. Um, but 
kicking it off with just talking Little Mermaid for just a second, man. You guys brought in the animation renaissance. You guys brought back from the brink of extinction. I've had so many folks on from from the Disney side that they said they were done with animation. Like after uh, what Black Cauldron, they kind of wanted to pull it out. And it wasn't until Roy Disney said, no, this is what we're known for. We cannot shut down the animation. I believe Tom Cedo told me the story. Um, and then... Little Mermaid comes out, man, and you guys absolutely crushed it. So I got to imagine, let's take a step back there for just a second. What was it like animating Ursula, the evil witch? What was it like? It was probably one of the toughest times of my career. Yeah? Uh, one of the toughest times because, uh, well, first of all, just to go back to that uh, animation renaissance, it if you really think about it, it didn't really start with Mermaid. Mm. Um, up until that point, um, the highest grossing animated film uh, up until that point um, in its first run was actually Oliver and Company. Really? The one before that was American Tale. Mm -hmm. And that hit around like 46 yeah. million or something and that was like amazing 47 you know because they didn't do that back then you know um so i think american i think spielberg actually got the thing you know put the jumper cables to animation yes. in a way and got people back into the theaters to accept it uh great mass detective continued it um oliver and company i think uh wrote on the success of of those films uh and land before time you know, making animation um, um, uh, sort of relevant cool again. Yeah. But, it, but you're right. It wasn't until Little Mermaid that I think the animated musical came back in a huge way. Yeah. I mean, I, say what you will about American Tale. Uh, there's only one good song <laughs> in that whole film. And, uh, uh, you know, and it wasn't until Little Mermaid. In fact, I remember being... Uh, working on Roger Rabbit and um, Andreas, he gave me a cassette of uh, the soundtrack for Mermaid. Mm -hmm. He says on one side is Mermaid and then the other side is a demo for Aladdin. So I took it and I listened to Mermaid and I was just like, this stuff is really good. These are really great songs. Usually, I mean, uh, like I said, uh, you know, you get No Cats in America and things like that, which are not very good, you know? Yeah. Um, but this was pretty much all the songs were solid. And, um, and uh, I was, I really wanted to work on this. So once Roger Rabbit was starting to wind down, uh, despite the fact that they had a studio head come in and say, hey, your futures are assured and everyone's going to stay and we're going to keep Disney UK going and all that. Um, I really wanted to get to, to Los Angeles. I had a... Uh, problem because I was Canadian so I had to work out all that but um, Disney actually contacted me and uh, um, uh, little did I know they were contacting all the people on Roger Rabbit because they're trying to get him to LA so when yeah. I went down there they they got me the green card and all that stuff and uh, um, and I started uh, I got put on Little Mermaid and I thought okay so I, I looked at you know, I saw a rough cut of the film and I was thinking, don't put me on Ariel, don't put me on Ariel, don't put me on Ariel. And they go, so we're going to put you on Ariel. I'm like, no. Why didn't you want Ariel, if you don't mind me asking? I spent almost, a, spent about a year working on a cartoon rabbit. 
you, you got to understand that Ariel is. See, a lot of the characters are designed in a way where you have little anchor points where you could sort of figure out the the shape of the character and how they would. Ariel is this. You know, if you place an eye too low or too high in the middle of this space that's the mm -hmm. face and if you don't put that mouth just right and you don't know all the cheats that go into making certain expressions you're gonna make a mess of it and yeah. i did I, my very first scene they gave me was ariel uh, in the grotto and she's sitting there and and triton comes in and goes, so this is where you've been and she's like but daddy i you know and so i i thought okay i looking in the mirror and I'm drawing it and I'm looking at my face and I'm putting all these lines and she looked like she was 102 and 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 I and it was just awful and uh, thankfully the cleanup person uh, Philo uh, who was uh, one of the heads on on Ariel she, he was the head on it uh, cleanup he took out all the lines and fixed it and put it on model and stuff so I was thankful for that but I struggled on that, that Ariel. She was just too difficult. I remember walking in to Glenn Keane's office and saying, hey, uh, can, you, can you think you could go over this, see what I'm doing wrong, and just went there. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. You know, I did the same to Mark Ken. I walked right in. I, he did the same thing. And I'm like, I can't. I, and I looked at it, I noticed there are certain ways to get that expression without putting in all the lines and everything but I, I wasn't there yet you know and i was nervous about the whole thing anyway so i uh after struggling a couple of times they pulled me into their offices uh, john and ron said you know why don't we're gonna switch you put you on ursula instead thanks <laughs> because ursula you know she's got everything is pretty much anchored mm -hmm. You, the, the, the formula is pretty good and even then i still struggle you know over the model because these type of characters well they want cartoon rabbits and uh um yeah i i struggled with drawings I, uh, a lot of people are you know you've got people like i said like sandro and baxter and people like that are just naturals yeah just do it and i struggle over every single scene i do uh, and i i you know i labor over it to get get the right look and so so um i i got on to ursula and i did i did ursula I, you're gonna have to hold me hold for one second okay all right we're back okay so so i i felt that ursula was um was a little easier to handle for me. And uh, um, she, her design was very forgiving. Whereas Ariel, everything had to, all, every, every shot had to be, every angle had to be pretty and all this stuff. And uh, Ursula was a little more forgiving in that realm, you know, a little more uh, character, a uh, um, little more um, exaggeration involved in her. So um, I still had trouble on the film. I, I, uh, I had, you know, I, it took me a long time to, to actually fit in. In fact, by the time I finished, I barely got in the credits because I only had a, I had a little over a hundred feet on the film and that was the, the rule. If you, if you didn't get over a hundred feet on the film, uh, you didn't get in the credits. So I got like 104, you know, and that yeah. was good. I mean, I got 
got on the picture halfway through it. So I was, I still managed to get the credit on there, but um, I, I struggled so much on that film. I almost got let go. And uh, they, they basically said, well, we need everybody on board for rescuers down under. So we're not going to let you go. So basically it was a reprieve. Yeah. Um, and when we got on the rescuers, well, the whole film was in story problems, story hell. So we just sort of sat around and, uh, and then uh, they, they said, okay, well, we need some people to work on Cranium command and Cranium command was the, uh, the, um, the Disney world, pavilions of whatever the pavilions of life thing yeah. that they're working on and uh that that helped me uh sort of gave me a little bit of time to relax and get into the flow of things and uh um uh, i just uh, they liked what i was doing you know and uh so so that was um that was it was it was a good experience because I was working on a film that I really thought was great, mm-hmm. uh, Mermaid. But um, you know, I fought with uh, uh, cleanup artists. I, 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 in some ways, I even uh, struggled with the directors, and uh, um, it was a very it was a baptism by fire. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I'm made glad it through. I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. You made it through, man. We all need a little bit of adversity to we iron sharpens iron. It comes up so many times. Like I've heard so many animators say and so many writers and everybody that I've had on this podcast that said it, they dealt with imposter syndrome whenever they got to where the lights were the brightest. And I'm going to use a wrestling analogy. I don't know if you were, I mean, you're, you're Canadian. So I got to imagine that uh, you might've watched a little wrestling, maybe some stampede wrestling uh, up in Canada when you were younger, maybe the heart foundation and whatnot, uh, Stu Hart, Bret Hart. All <laughs> you're Hart kidding. All you, you'd be wrong. I may be Canadian, but I am not, I am not, Canada. I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like beer. I don't like hockey. In fact, we lived in Toronto and uh, Buffalo Sabres hockey kept preempting my favorite shows in the seventies. So I always hated hockey. It's like, I, I, I wanted to get the Rochester stations because they're the only ones that didn't preempt my shows that I wanted to see. So I have, you know, a lot of that stuff, I, I'm, I'm totally like art side, uh, you know, it's terrible in sports. I, I, you know, that's, that's, uh, yeah. That, well, so. the only, Give me the your analogy, analogy anyway. <laughs> the only reason I use that as an analogy, because um, for, for wrestling fans, like WWE and back at the time, WWF was like the pinnacle. So Disney animation is the pinnacle for most animators. Like that's the spot you want to, you want to get, you want to work for the house of mouse. Like that is the top of everybody's wish list. Everybody wants to be on the Disney movie because Disney has been known for decade upon decade upon decade of making hits, man. I mean, they've made some stinkers here and there, but for the most part, they've got a pretty good success rate. And a lot of the animators would, would talk about like, that was the pinnacle. I had to get to Disney. I had to get to Disney and you got to Disney. And so many people, <clears throat> excuse me, so many people said the first time they got to Disney, the first thing, everything that was going through their mind was imposter syndrome. Like, I don't, I'm not doing this. I, I can't do this. I can't be here. Everybody else is so much better. But like I said, at the end of the day, iron sharpens iron. So you needed that little bit of struggle to really propel yourself because you stayed at Disney for quite some time, man. And you got to work on a lot of amazing, 
amazing characters, man. We not we listed off a few, man. I mean, just jumping ahead just a little bit, you know. So before we get off of Ursula, though, just for a quick second, man, what was the favorite part from that movie that you animated? And what was the favorite part from that movie that you didn't animate that one of your friends might have animated? Hey, guys, it's your resident cartoon junkie, Brandon Jones, here asking you to have a listen to my Animation Destination podcast. It's an animation celebration podcast, and it's full of all sorts of stuff about anime and cartoons and voice acting and all that sort of thing, and just a really all-around celebration of anything animated. So come on by and check it out. We've got fan episodes of your favorite animes to your most obscure cartoons on Netflix that no one's ever heard of and just really love talking about it. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere else you can get your podcast from. So stop on by, subscribe, and stay tuned for the Animation Destination Podcast. Oh, well, um, there's nothing really that I don't, I remember not liking about the film. You know, I was pretty much impressed with a whole lot of things. You know, amazed at the Glenn stuff, and uh, I knew Andreas from Roger Rabbit, so he, he was uh, doing great stuff. Every, you know, everybody. I, I, yeah, I can't really. I, I think, um, some of the things I liked. I, I like Mark Hen's Ariel. I know this is sacrilege for those people who are, uh, you know, Glenn Keane fans, and I'm not taking anything away from Glenn, but there was a. a, a cuteness about Mark Hen's Ariel, a very uh, naive, the, the part where she gets out of bed and looks in the mirror and goes, you know, yeah. right, I mean, that is beautiful. That's, uh, that has such, I don't know. Human inno qualities. Yeah. Innocent uh, character, innocent uh, appeal to it. I, I it was uh, um, very likable, even though she didn't talk. It was, it was uh, that, that, I remember really responding to those scenes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, let's see, uh, as far as my stuff goes, <laughs> it's funny. Um, I think some of the stuff that I don't like is, is my own. <laughs> there's, there's one scene where I, when I was in school, when I was uh, going to college, uh, Sheridan College um, in Canada for animation, um, we would study all sorts of uh, animation of the past. And, and we'd put it on the a big uh, flat bed editing table and we'd get 60 millimeter prints of the film and go frame by frame and look at some of this stuff. Um, this was just before VHS you know, came out. So, uh, and even then you couldn't really go frame by frame with yeah. VHS because it was a different format. Um, so you couldn't get proper timing from it. So as we're looking at some of this stuff, we would look at a lot of Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. um, and we'd see all these blur wipes and, and things like that. And we'd look at how they did it. You, you know, you have a key, you'd uh, slow out of it, do the wipe, and then you would recoil, you know? So it would be here and then boom, and then recoil. Mm -hmm. And... So I did that. We did that a lot in our tests and things like that. All these elaborate wipes and stuff like that. I I actually did that on Ursula in one scene, and I regret it so much because it wasn't the 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 proper um, vehicle to do that. It's a feature film. It wasn't a Looney Tunes short. 
Um, uh, so there's a scene in it where she says, go ahead, make your choice. And you got this, go ahead, and you got this strange drawing in there. And I'm like, uh, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have, I wish I could take that back. And, um, uh, you know, but again, I, you know, I was still finding my legs on it. Um, by the time I got to the last stuff that I did, which was when Triton uh, first confronts Ursula, mm -hmm. that is my my favorite scene uh, where he comes in and Ursula, stop and um, not so fast, Triton and all that. And she's there and um, she has all these, you know, touching the trident and all that stuff. That's 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 the that's the scene I really I really like that I did. I thought I was finally getting a hold of the character. Um, I got criticized a lot early on because I was off model, and um, and so I really worked on that scene to make sure I was on model. And um, I still remember doing a shot, doing the the scene where she's where she says, "King Triton, <laughs> how are you?" and I really wanted to get that <laughs> look, and and because I was off model, it went to cleanup, and they took this and they turned it to this, and it's like that's not what I was going for. I'm getting on proportion. Just draw it the way I have it. It works, but you know you have to earn that sort of trust and respect yeah. from the follow-up people, and uh, I I actually created a you know made us think about it and they they cleaned it up as is you know so i was very happy with that and i think it's probably my best scene in the film um and uh, but you know uh, i was i was kind of happy to uh um move on to something different and um and with uh with the rescuers uh, it wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a, a, a big film. Um, well, it started at a big film. This is, this is the hilarious thing about this. You know, when Katzenberg and, and Eisner got into it, uh, Katzenberg started to go through and try to figure out um, stories and stuff that they could do in animation, right? This is before Mermaid and all that. No, it's around the same time. What's yeah. going to come after Mermaid? And so... I, the story goes that Katzenberg uh, looked at uh, what made the most money in its initial run that that they made maybe they could do a sequel and they found that rescuers the original rescuers did very well in its initial run and they thought well let's do a rescuers too let's let's do a sequel to it you know so they put this thing into production and then as they were getting close to uh, to getting into the production of the film they released rescuers the original and it bombed. They re-released it and it bombed, right? And then they go, oh man, this no one wants to see this. And we're doing a sequel and but we're too far into it. So I can remember sitting there, Peter Schneider giving us this pep talk. He's like, okay, so we know we made a mistake, but this is um this is the we're just gonna we just gotta get this thing done, okay? You know, it's not gonna be great, it's not gonna be popular, but but let's just get it done, you know. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, is this a pep talk? Because <laughs> I don't I don't really feel encouraged about this. <laughs> get it done. But um, I don't know. It it turned out okay. Uh, it's not the.
the the greatest film in the world but um there's entertainment entertaining parts into it in, in it and um i was able to uh really kind of get my feet wet on that film um, i was initially just thrown on random characters but after i got back from mccranian command the directors on rescuers said we saw your stuff on mccranian command and we'd like to put you on wilbur and I said, sounds great. And I asked them if I could get the uh, section I wanted, which was his introduction, which was the whole, you know, the umbrellas and the, the fruity things. And, you know, you want to go to Australia? Great. Let's figure out, you know, pull the map down, all that stuff. And um, that's the stuff that it really, when I saw the screening, I, oh, so much, you know, personality uh, that's the stuff i really want to do and so they gave it to me and about two months before the end of it there was some <clears throat> mix-up with uh with the whole uh with the lead animator on that and um they had to take him off of the, the the character and they asked me if i wanted to be the supervisor on wilbur and i said we're, we're, we're two months um away from completion uh, the character's been designed. Everyone has their assignments. What's there left to supervise? And they looked at me and they said, well, you'll get your name in the credits as a supervisor. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'll take that. So I see that and it's like supervisor, you know, supervisors and I'm there. It doesn't say that I'm supervisor Wilbur, but I'm one of the supervisors. So, hey, that's a pretty good credit. So yeah, yeah I'll take a, that's, a, that's a win for Nick, man. Yeah. And, and and then after that, um, uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast came up and I uh, I started to, uh, the, the, the people who were directing Beauty and the Beast were the same people who directed um, uh, Crane Command. Great, you know? And uh, they asked me if I wanted to uh, do, you know, Lumiere. And I said, sure, that sounds great. And, um, you know, worked on that. And then right after that, I thought, hey, I'm riding high, you know, this is great. I got two supervising positions under my belt. Uh, I mean, one and a half, maybe. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so I thought, what's the next film? And I looked at it and it was Aladdin and Ron and John. And I'm like, oh boy okay here we go because i was they were the ones that you know they wanted to let me go and so i was like okay so i thought well time has passed but uh maybe i'll get something maybe they'll there's a there's a secondary character i could do right um well that wasn't the way it worked because they put um, you on jafar man <laughs> they had their favorites yeah. You know, and I said, you know, um, can I do, uh, I was going to, what did I ask them? I asked them for, you know, I said, well, what about the narrator? Can I do that? It's a small part of it. No, you can't. Oh, oh, okay. Well, well, what about Jafar as a, as the beggar? I could do it. No, no, Kathy's doing that. Oh, okay. Well, what about, no. And I just, eventually I went, you don't want me to supervise, do you? And John just goes. <laughs> so, so, fine okay so andreas says hey you want to, i need people on jafar and i said sure yeah jafar's you know good so so um yeah i did i did that and the good thing about andreas is that you know it was me uh, ken duncan uh ron husband I'm trying to think of others on the well others um but he he would give 
us all like sections to do. And uh, this, you know, here's your sequence, which is a good thing to always, I, I learned from that. I, I always try to give people sequences if I felt really confident um, in, in their work. I wanted to give them a section that they could call their own, that they could work out their continuity. And um, um, I wasn't about to do the, the supervisor trick, whereas I would just go in, take all the juicy stuff from myself and leave them the dregs, right? You know, it's, <laughs> it's not a way to get good work out of people, right? So, yeah, so I, uh, I, got, I got a couple of sequences of Jafar. I got, uh, um, I actually kind of wanted to work on the genie Mm -hmm. But I was so intimidated by Eric, uh, who, who that was his first, you know, character in, yeah. at Disney. And I didn't know him very well. And I wasn't sure. I, I was just intimidated by that character. And as much as I enjoyed comedy, um, and I try to play to my strengths because I, I, I like comedic elements of animation. And, yeah. and I always try to do things that get a rise to the people. Like Glenn, Andreas, those guys, they want pathos. They want, they want to make people cry. And that's good, uh, but that's not my thing. I, yeah. I always, uh, you know, sort of favored the comedy characters. And, uh, and so, um, um, so yeah, the, uh, uh, I said to, uh, to Andreas, yeah, I'll take a little work on Jafar. And it turned out to be really good. Uh, I found out years later, Eric said, yeah, I just kind of wanted you to work on the genie. And I'm like, oh, I, I should have asked, but I didn't know how to, I didn't even know you very well and all this. So, so, you know, that's, what are you going to do? <laughs> Speaking on Eric, and I, and, and I wanted to uh, ask you two, two questions, but we'll probably save those for down the road, but I'll, I'll pregame you with it. Um, favorite Andrea story and favorite Eric story. Hold on to that thought for just a second. And we'll, we'll talk about those. Cause I got to imagine you working with both those legends. Um, you got some good ones, man. But have you gotten the chance to see? Oh fuck! What, what is it called? A uh, sketchbook. I, I don't know why I blank. Have you gotten a chance to watch on sketchbook on Disney Plus? Um, <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't watched that one. I should watch the Eric one. That's uh, the that's the one. You got to watch him, and then uh, what what is his name? Um, it'll come back to me. Um, I I can't think of the other one. It was the uh, the the Korean animator, and I don't know why I'm blanking. Oh 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 um, oh! Um, what's his name? Oh, <laughs> oh man, I, I can't Did believe. Him? Yes, thank you, Mr. Kim. I cannot believe I blanked on his name because him he drew Captain Hook, which is my favorite villain, and it's probably because I'm an ex sailor, and it's probably because of just he dressed so snazzy. But but um. Captain Hook is one of my favorite villains of all time across anything. Uh, the Jungle Book has always been my favorite Disney movie of all time. I, I love Baloo. Baloo's my favorite hero, if you want to call him a hero character. Yeah. Uh, he's my favorite character in Disney lore. You know, I love the Shere Khans. Uh, you know, if we're sitting here talking, I love King Louis. There, there's so many villains. Jafar's up there as well. Ursula is terrifying. Hades is another one you worked on that's, in my opinion, probably the last when it comes to villains that Disney's done, probably the last villain they've done that is perfect. There is nothing, there's nothing slow about him. There's nothing off about him. everything about that character from start to finish, from animating to voice to, to the writing of it. Everything is perfect about Hades. Um, I absolutely love that character. Um, but uh, watching Eric draw the genie that, I mean, that that's him. I'm sitting there and I, 
I've, I've told this story a few times, so I'll make it a brief one. I wanted to be an animator when I was younger. I would see something and I would draw. I just always had a pen in my hand, always had a pencil in my hand. I just draw, 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 draw. And it wasn't until I was probably, I was, it was before I was 10 years old. Um, we got the chance to go to Universal with my dad uh, before he went to prison. And uh, this was when SpongeBob SquarePants was rolling out, right? So they said, hey, we're doing this. And this is before all the animation went from uh, Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando before everything moved out to LA. Uh, they still had a skeleton crew there. So they're like, hey, we're doing this. Um, we're doing this tour. Uh, we're going to roll out this new show. And we want people, we want to show it off to people so we can build up some hype for it. They're like, if you're interested, come by. And I was balls deep in the cartoons, man. I wanted to draw. I wanted to be an animator. I was like, dad, dad, dad please go let's go let's go let's go so we go to see it and i remember looking down and in, in, into the artist alley the artist pit the the room where they were working and there was this lone artist over into a corner right and he's drawing and he tears it and throws it away and he does it again and he, he's like Fuck. And you see <clears throat> you can see him being visibly frustrated and i remember you know asking the lady like hey why why does he keep throwing that stuff away and she was like well if it's not on model you know and this is something we were, you were just talking about if it's not on model he has to start over and he has to redo it it has to be what the what his boss is saying has to be that way so i go oh well all the pictures that i don't like my mom keeps and she says are really good and that completely deterred me away from being an animator i just, i wish i could go back in time and chase that dream even if i would have failed at it I wish I could go back in time and chase that dream. But nonetheless, man, we're here talking animation. That's, that's in my opinion, that's just as good because I don't have to do all the work that you guys do with the fuck carpal tunnel and the broken fingers and all this other shit. I get to just talk to you guys about what you guys did, man, right? So I, I feel I like I, <laughs> I've seen some, I've seen some people, you know, uh, that was just a joke. So, I, I, I've, so getting, getting to see like, so the whole reason I tell you that story is I'm watching Sketchbook as soon as it drops. And the, he's the first episode I go to, right? First one I skip. He's like episode five or six. He's the first right. one I go to, right? right? I had just gotten done talking to Tom Cito. We talked Genie. That episode dropped that same week. We were talking Genie and Robin Williams coming in and uh, to MGM and, and having the whole moment and everything like that. And I'm watching him and he inspired me to pause it. I was like, I'm going to go get my sketchbook. I'm going to go get a pencil and I'm going to draw a genie with Eric because that's, he is so inviting. He, his, the same kind of energy Sandra has was the same kind of energy that was exuding off the screen. I wish they would have done six parts just with Eric. He could have drew the genie in the same fucking pose every single time. And I would have been <laughs> because the stories he was telling, right? So he, like, I'm telling you, he fucking, he, he motivated me to go get something and I'm sitting there, I'm drawing with him. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it wasn't 10 seconds into it. I'm like, I can't do what Eric's doing because this dude is a master at his craft. And I completely gave up right then and there. I was like, I'm just going to sit back and I'm enjoy it. I watched that episode twice in a row, man, back to back. And I'm just sitting there thinking, wow, this dude is a master at his craft. He is the master. Obviously that's his character, right? But he, he is another one of those naturals. Yes. I mean, he just knows he can, he doesn't have to test a lot of things he can just do it and um and then it's right you know yes. uh, he, he did a 20 foot shot or 30 foot shot or something in like a week it was and it was all on ones and it just uh, for two can you explain that to people really quick i've got i've got the ratio or i've got the formula in my i, I have a animator a animation director i talked to mr robert alvarez and he's broken down the feet and what it equates to in seconds and minutes and everything like that. But can you explain to the listeners really quick what that means? What you just okay? Said? So so it's all based on the the I don't know why they base it on the the actual um, um, length of of a of a uh, a foot of film, mm -hmm. but I guess that's how they measured things back then. So a foot of film is sixteen frames, 
uh, second of film is 24 frames. Um, so when someone says you did it all on ones, that means you did 24 separate drawings or, or 12 drawings and charted to have uh, those 12 drawings in between to reach a total of 24 in a second. And you don't do that all the time. You do it on special quick movements. I think the genie was a lot on ones just because of the fluidity and 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 um, and the exaggerated uh, poses and yeah whatnot. and things like that and the speed in which the character moved. Um, I did a lot of ones for Hades just because of the hand gestures and yes. the, a lot of the rotations and the arcs that his hand had to do and hands and all that had to do. Um, so, you know, that's, that's pretty much, so when you say 20 feet, you just times that by 16 and, uh, and then you divide it by 24 and you'll get the, uh, the number uh, of drawings, the, the number of, uh, seconds that, that, yeah. that is, so, so yeah, so that's, that's pretty, I still think in that, even though I work digitally now, uh, but still it's, it's. That's you know something that'll never leave you. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, that uh, that. Um, so okay, so you were going to ask about um, Andreas and, and yeah, your your favorite Andreas story and your favorite Eric story. Well, do they have to be animation related? No, they don't. They could be any story. Whenever you hear those two names in particular, does a story, uh, a moment, a okay, chat? I can you tell guys you, had... I can tell you a couple of things. Okay. Um. <laughs> um uh, well, the first thing is, um, uh, the first one was, um, I, I met Andreas, uh, during Roger Rabbit mm -hmm. and, uh, he was one of the supervisors there and I sat really close to, him, um, um, just a couple of feet away. And, um, he was very kind, uh, when I, I got chewed out by Dick Williams, um, he uh he said don't don't worry but it's, it's okay everything's fine you know that's that's dick for you and i'm like okay but yeah it was there was two times i got chewed up by dick williams and and of course when dick chews you out he doesn't say quietly come into my office he just goes <laughs> and everybody looks up from their desk because it was an all open plan and um uh, the the first thing uh, when i first got to Roger Rabbit, I was an in-betweener, and then I got promoted to a, a breakdown uh, guy. I was a assistant to uh, the guys who was doing the props, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so I would do in-betweens and all that. And um, through a series of uh, um, really, you know, um, amazing situations, I was able to get promoted to animator in a very short time because they needed people um and uh there's there were a lot of animators in england but there were those who wouldn't work with dick and there were those who dick wouldn't work with so yeah. they sort of narrowed it down to a certain uh, group and so they were looking for people and when they promoted me i thought oh okay i'm promoted to animator they're going to give me scenes i'm going to start animating yeah here we go so um they gave me my first scene was a baby Herman scene and the and the scene was a baby Herman going uh, I can pay you you know he had a cigar <laughs> I can pay you, right and they came with these drawings you know and I go okay well these are the layout drawings they tell me the size and everything like that and so I sat down and started animating I did a rough and I showed it to Dick and uh, and then Dick looked at it and he just started shaking and get started yelling at me it's like. 
what do you think you're doing? Changing my drawings. What do you think you're doing? And I'm like, I'm like going, what? What? It's like you think you're you're you're, you're out of school. You, my 35 years experience, <laughs> and I just cowering, and I didn't know what was going on. And I found out later is that I wasn't. I was I was promoted, but I wasn't a full fledged animator. I was yeah. uh, in the training program, so to speak, <clears throat> and I needed to pay my dues, so to speak. Yeah. And so I was put on the baby Herman unit, where all sort of trainee animators are given uh, keyframes by Dick, and you would have to work in and out of those keyframes and flesh it out. So he would pose out all the baby Herman stuff. All the stuff where he's talking about, you know, uh, in, talking to Roger in the crib and, uh, you know, slapping the girl in the butt and all that. Yeah. Um, that whole section, Dick basically posed out and he got different animators to flesh it all out uh, that were trainees. So I didn't know. So I was taking his drawings, treating them with layout, using them for size comparison, then tossing them to the side and doing what I want. And he flipped out. And no one told me, right? So... <laughs> Um, and the second time uh, he chewed me out was uh, he went to um, to L.A. to um, <laughs> he went to L.A. to to deal with Toontown because that's where they did Toontown was in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. And so he was gone for a week and he gave me the scene where uh, Roger runs. Uh, Come on, Eddie, let's get out of here. Moving pops is the express. Right. And he uh, trips down the stairs or whatever. Or uh, no, he doesn't trip down the stairs. When I first got it, the dialogue was uh, "Moving Pops is an express," and he zips out. And so I'm sitting there and I'm drawing it and looking at it, going, "Man, I don't know." Uh, so I talked to Andreas. Like, what do you think? And Andreas looks at it and goes, "You know, he's a rabbit, but we never actually see him hop. Maybe you should hop. Maybe you should make him hop." So I did this scene, I still have the rough, I think it's on the Facebook page where he runs out and moving pops is an express and he's hopping down and he does a zippity zips right up, right? And I thought, oh, this is great. They're gonna love it. This is great, right? So Dick comes back and I'm sitting there <laughs> proudly showing it. And uh, basically Dick writes out everything. As he's working with Zemeckis, he goes through and he uh, creates a brief like mm -hmm. a quick storyboard of everything he and Zemeckis talked about as they go through the sequence. And you're supposed to follow the brief. And the yeah. brief didn't have a hop. And the brief didn't have, you know, all this stuff, right? So I, I just didn't think about that, right? So he looks at it. Of course, again, he starts to shake. And he goes, what do you think and everyone's head comes up and looks up and I'm cowering again. And then I look over at Andreas and Andreas is like, <laughs> just drawing up with his head down. <laughs> no moral support, Andreas. Gonna... No. <laughs> Come supervise this ass chewing, please help me. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing with Andreas is that um, during Roger Rabbit, um, <laughs> uh, it was a who's who. Everybody came through that studio. It was almost like you know Spielberg's um, toy. To, mm -hmm. to show off to people. So, you know, uh, we had guests coming through all the time. And I sat right next to the door 
so nobody could get in and out of that studio, the animation studio, without me knowing who. It. And, yeah. and I heard someone come in and there's commotion. My head would peek up and see if it was anybody special. And if it wasn't, I just go back to work. Right. I always had a camera at my desk because you know it was an experience for me. I was in England. There's all these different you know. Maybe get a picture with Spielberg. And um, so all these people would come through and all that. And uh, and I, rem <laughs> I remember you, you get sort of starstruck and you, you're trying to pal around with people. And, and I remember just sort of um, um, peeking my head up and listening as Zemeckis was there and Frank Marshall and Robert Watts and all these people were there. And, and, um, and Andreas was there and we were talking and... And at one point, uh, Andreas was like, uh, he was like, um, uh, Zemeck was going, he goes, hey, Bob, see ya. And he's like, hey, Frank. And he did that. And I just looked at him and I went, and he goes, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he's so caught up in the whole, yeah, hey, Frank. <laughs> Love you, babe. <laughs> My inspiration for Hades. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Oh, that is so cool, man. Does he know that? No, it, it wasn't. My inspiration for Hades was Katzenberg. But, but really? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, but, um, but, but no, the, the, you know, uh, you know, it was a moment where I sort of made fun of him, but he, he got the joke, right? And, um, you and know. you had me hook, line, and sinker on both of them there. I was going for, I was along for the ride, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and then as far as um, Eric goes, um, yeah, I mean, everything that guy touched, he could do no wrong. He did amazing stuff. In fact, uh, some of the best stuff, I mean, I remember when we were working on uh, Princess and the Frog and he- Beautiful movie. Came, came I did a, I did a, a, a test of, of Little Charlotte young charlotte and it was uh daddy daddy look at my new dress yeah uh, and i did this bounce where she rotates and um it got a good response people laughed which is what i was hoping for because you always try to wow them you know and eric says that's a good scene and I go, oh yes that's 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 great yeah so um but one of the big things i remember is how they tried to fit him into a mold that he he shouldn't even have. One of the last last couple of years I was there, they tried to get everybody in to do CGI. And I remember one of the other animators um, there, uh, Bert Klein, who's a friend of Eric's and mine and all that. And he says, Eric, why don't you come and uh, try CGI? I mean, you're probably really good at it and all that. And, and I had done CGI before, but I've been rusty because I was on Princess of the Frog and I hadn't really done anything for uh, a couple of years there. Um, and so I was very rusty on it. Mm -hmm. So I needed a refreshers course because unlike paper and pencil, you know, which is like, oh, I remember now. This is all yeah. like, okay, what button do I have to push now? Before it was <laughs> this one, but now it's this one. I don't. So um, Eric, uh, he came down and um, uh, they had a trainee person there, a trainer, and uh, they all sat us at computers and they just started to go through, okay, now do this and do that and then log in here and do this. And, and now you want to 
take this thing and move it to here and move that there. And after about 20 minutes, after about, no, actually about 10 minutes, Eric just got up and left. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, why are they trying to, you know, why would they want him to come down to try out or do this when he was so good at what he was doing? Yes. You know, he was like a master and you want to throw him into a, a situation where, um, you know, I remember James Baxter used to call CGI the great equalizer. It made mm -hmm. really good animators sort of okay, yeah. really bad animators better, you know, <laughs> because, you know, there's a lot of things you don't have to worry about in CG. Uh, your model's already there. You just have to make sure it moves properly. Um, and there's some who excel in it. You know, there's been really amazing CGI animation that's just beautiful and all that. But um, it's, it's, you know, Eric is a master at 2D, at hand yes. uh, You know, he shouldn't have to change. He should just you should continue to be a master you know the, there's there in my opinion there's a space for both you got your pixar you've got your cgi you've got and i'm so glad and i believe he uh, spoiler alert he says it in his in his episode that there will be another 2d traditionally drawn animated project coming out of disney soon. and i hope because we've heard that so many times over so many years i hope it's true because in my opinion there's space just like there's space for our style of animation there's space for anime there's space for fucking cartoons coming out of canada china africa all these places there's a space for everything and i really hope that we can get and see at least one more time before i leave this earth one more time i want to see a traditionally drawn handmade animated movie i mean miyazaki's talking about doing it again it's it's as long as they do it like sincerely, yes. I mean, I, I, I don't see Eric putting being, his name on anything that's not sincere, though. So that's well, why I hope it's done. It's kind of like it's kind of like people talk about Paper Man, you know? Oh, Paper Man was this blend of CGI and hand drawn, and it's like, no, it wasn't. It's a blend of CGI and cleanup. That's <laughs> all it is. There's no hand drawn animation in that film. I don't care what you say. Oh, but it's lines. It's no, it's it's vectors. It's basically you put vectors around it, you clean it up, and that's all. You're just cleaning up the CG stuff. That's it, you know. And uh, one of the you know saddest things I remember seeing, looking at the credits on Paper Man, seeing Eric Goldberg's name in cleanup. It's just what a waste. Yes. You know, it's don't give me that and. And I still remember a, a video I saw years ago about with, with Dale Bear, you know, doing a, a, a 2D animation test for this short that they were working on, Feast or something like that. It was this dog animation. And you cut to the, the director going, see, in this scene that, that Dale did, I, I want to get that sort of that life, that playfulness, that, that thing. And I, I want to get that into our CG stuff. And I'm thinking... You got it right there. Just clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're trying to reinvent the wheel on some of this stuff. You you want to take this beautiful animation. You want to inspire someone to do it in CG so you can put a line around it and call it hand drawn or 2D style or whatever. It's ridiculous. If you want to do 2D, do 2D. And yes, you know, it's 
but again i mean i guess i'm old-fashioned um no, there's a lot of there's a lot of fans and there's a lot of people that I've talked to that are still in the animation field that feel the same way you do that I do. Uh, yeah. Like I said, there is a space for the Pixar's. There's a space for the yeah. traditional style animation. There's a space for everything. Put it I, up there I, and let the I, fans I, vote with their wallet. I just I just hope that it is a traditional thing, even if it's done on Cintiq. I still hope it's a traditional and it's not just a, uh, you know, um, you know, whatever they call that toon shade or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, trying to pretend it's uh, uh, 2D, <laughs> you know? So uh, I hope he's right about that. It would be great. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, that would that would be amazing. Um, it, it really Believe really it when is. I see it, I, yeah. seriously. I mean- uh, They've been talking about it for years. So hopefully one day we might see it. Like I said, Miyazaki said before he has done he, his last project, I'm pretty sure I'm taking that out of context or I might be even just uh, fucking up the quote. But I do know he said he wants to have one more come from him, from his hands. It, it, everything is going to be hand-drawn, traditional style. I, I believe he said that. And I'm pretty sure it's as recent as just a couple months ago the article came out. I might be conflating that with something else that I've read, um, but I'm pretty sure I've, I've, I've seen that article. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I know... Um, Thank you for sharing those stories, but I really liked Andreas, and I, I really wish you wouldn't have told me that he wasn't. Hey, you know, have a good one, Bob. You know, I, because I, I see that in Hades, and I'm like, fuck, man, that makes that makes perfect sense, like that right there. Um, but jumping jumping forward, and before we jump forward, I would love to have you back on because I always tell everybody there's no way I can do just a fifth of your career in just the the one hour that that we might spend with each other. Um, so, so thank you. I'd, I'd love to have you come back on. We can talk a little bit more in depth about Lumiere, Jafar, and Hades, specifically Hades. Um, but I would be remiss to not talk to you before we get to the fans' questions um, about one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, The Emperor's New Groove. Were you on it before it was The Emperor's New Groove? I was on it. Uh, yes, I was on it. Uh, the... Uh... Well, it was still uh, Empire of the Sun. Moon. Yeah. Um, uh, Kingdom of the Sun. Yeah. Uh, this is my uh, personal uh, sculpture of that character uh, while it was still in uh, pre-production. Mm -hmm. um, in production, actually, there was a, like a thousand feet uh, done on that film. And, um, and. Uh, did they put it all in the documentary that they did, the sweat box? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some of it. I mean, I wish they, I wish they would put more. I wish they would release the song. Yeah. Uh, just for your curiosity, uh, this is. Um, uh, oh, that is so cool. These are all the. Uh, um, is that Remy from Ratatouille? Or no, that's Miko. Excuse me, that's Miko. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's hard to move my the big old. Uh, around there <laughs> oh no you're perfectly fine i've just noticed that uh i'll be 33 in august august 13th um my uh my eyesight has gotten shit lately i don't know what it is uh you know none of my none of my brothers and sisters wear wear glasses well that's a lie my little sister wears glasses um but she's had glasses since she was born she was born with a genetic disorder with her eyes and stuff like that so she's always had glasses hey. um, but i've just noticed that my eyes are shit as of late and i was like oh shit that's ratatouille i'm like no that's not ratatouille dumb dumb he didn't work on, on oh ratatouille. no that's so, what you know, the thing is i mean the, the this was another thing we in the move it got destroyed but uh, i'll have to i have to glue it back together which was uh, lumiere 
Uh, this yeah. was this was the maquette that they used, which I did the sculpt for. That's um, so cool, man. As I was, you know, you know, had to, you know, work with uh, the rotation of the head and everything like that. Um, and they said, hey, can we cast it and use that as the official uh, maquette? I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's great, you know. That is really awesome. So thank you for sharing those, man. But uh, so let's let's stay on Emperor's New Groove for just a few minutes. And like I said, sure. we uh, we'll, we'll end it and then we'll we'll uh, pick up some fans' questions and then we'll okay. we'll reconvene and talk again. Uh, like I said, I've really enjoyed this this conversation, man. So so thank you for telling me the stories and uh, reminiscing with me for just a little while. Oh man, Kuzco, that one. No touchy was one of my friends and I uh, go to lines like I remember. So. There are people who use the lines from that film. That's the very quotable lines on that film. Oh, it's, it's, I, so I've heard so much because of, you know, talking to Sandro, talking to a couple people like yourself that have worked on the movie and then watching the document of the sweat box and, and hearing and seeing the shit show that <laughs> that movie really was. And I don't, I hate saying stuff like that because there are people that take offense to that because they think I'm shitting on something and I'm not. I, I look at it and I hear the stories that you guys went through, you guys and gals went through during the process of this, the consistent shakeup, the ups, the downs. And then, then you find out when the Emperor's New Groove, the movie that we do get, Disney didn't want it. They just put it out there. There was very little, very little money spent on promoting this movie. It was just, here's a movie. We got to get it out. We already made it. We got to get it out there. Right. And then, like I said, you hear the stuff that you hear in the sweat box. I've heard the story secondhand or the interviews. Um, but looking at this movie, like I said, this was a hit right out of the gate with my friends and I, from the quotes to the lines. Kronk was amazing. Uh, Yzma, phenomenal villain. Like everything about this movie, my friends and I loved, man. So I, I got to imagine with you being the guy that did Cusco and Lama Cusco, man, where does this one rank for you as far as, as this character in particular? Out of all the characters you've worked out, where would Cusco rank for you? Wow. That's like saying, who's your favorite child? We all have that favorite kid, Nick. You just have to make sure that <laughs> you're my favorite. And then you tell the other one, you're my favorite. So it pits them against each other. <laughs> you know, I give you a quick rundown. Um, basically, uh, one of the things, it's, it's hard to say where he sits because... Mm. All the characters I've done, and sorry to say, it doesn't include Ursula and, and Jafar. I'm talking about the ones that I supervised. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I worried about uh, for when I when I was doing these uh, characters and stuff was to get typecast and pigeonholed into second banana characters. Mm -hmm. um, what I didn't foresee was the fact that you know. The comedy character can manifest itself in many different forms. And I was fortunate enough to, to hit all my dreams, but still stay in the genre that I preferred. Yes. So, you know, always wanted to, to do a, 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 a side character, you know, um, I got Lumiere. Okay, he was, and he was uh, an inanimate object. So there's a lot of challenges with that. Always, um, and 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 then I saw Duncan Marchbanks work on Abu, uh, the monkey, and mm -hmm. pretty amazed by that because he had no dialogue to to back him up. 
So we had to come up with all this stuff. And, and Panama always scared me. And then I got Miko and I worked out my, you know, my mental um, dialogue in my head for him. And uh, so he was a secondary character, a second banana, but he was, uh, he was a, a pantomime character. So I got to do that. Then I got to do a villain, but he was also a comedy villain. I yes. mean, Ursula and Jafar had their moments and they, you know, they were funny and all that stuff, but Hades was, you know, more comedy than than drama in that way so i got to do a a, a villain but he was a comedy villain um uh, i thought i'll never do a lead character ever because yeah. they're always you know the brave and the strong and the pathos and the crying and all that stuff um Cusco came along main character but he's a comedy character <laughs> and i thought well, i'll never get to do a female lead because they're all you know heroines and you know uh, beautiful and sing their want songs but then i get to do charlotte who's yeah. a female character but she's a funny female <laughs> female character right so i got to do a whole wide variety of performances with the similar thread throughout them so Cusco is definitely up there. I used to, I always say that um, um, Ember's New Groove is the film I would have loved to have worked on had I not. Yeah. And because my origins are not like Andreas and Glenn, who used to study the, the works of Milk Hall and Frank and Ollie and all that stuff. I grew up on Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. That was my stuff. And then, and, and then, and, and Popeye. Those are the things that inspired me. Warner Brothers, especially Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, all that stuff. That's what clicked me in. That's I wanted to entertain in that way. I wanted to make people laugh in that way. I wanted to do characters like that. The funny stuff, the, the, you know, you know, stop pronoun trouble, you know, that type of yes. thing, you know, in fact, uh, Chuck Jones was my favorite director. He mm -hmm. was the, 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 the director that I would see his name up there and realize a lot of the films I like are his, you know, yes. and uh, um, and so uh, again, and his crew, you know, Ken Harris, those guys. Uh, I mean, just amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, um, and then as I got into Disney, I started to. It's not that I didn't. I like I ignored the Disney stuff. I thought it was good, but it was good in a different way. I mm -hmm. respected it. It was beautiful animation and flowed and all that stuff. But, but for pure entertainment, uh, um, I remember I, I I first talked to Andreas and he would go on about all the Mickey shorts and the Goofy shorts and I I was like, yeah, I, I haven't really watched a lot of those, <laughs> you know. But Bugs Bunny, you know, that's how Eric and I clicked in because he yes. was the same way he was uh, actually probably more than that but but um but he was a a, a warner brothers aficionado as well and uh and but but yeah that's the type of that that's my mindset so so um um the emperor's new groove was as close to a warner brothers feature as i think i've ever gotten yeah you know you watch it and and I mean, when I remember watching the story reel and going, this is the type of stuff I've always wanted to do, you know? It's like, uh, but I practically raised him. <laughs> you think it would have turned out better? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you know, that stuff, I love that stuff. That's sort of back and forth, repartee type things. I mean, 
it, they had that in it. And, and I was like, I, I remember, you know, the big pullback, pullback, pullback and the monkey. What's with the monkey in the bug? It's like, I love this film. I want to work on this. I got to yes. do this film, you know? And um, as much as I like Roger Allers and um, I know his vision would have turned out great if he had time to finish it. I was really happy with Groove. I, I, it was the film I really wanted to work on. I was so glad that we did it because there's, there's such great stuff in that. So there is. there's so much things in that. I, I tried so hard on that uh, and it was a huge effort because I had two characters I had to deal with. And I had a huge crew. It's the biggest crew I've ever had because I had like four people on human, uh, on Cusco human mm -hmm. and about 12 or 13 people on Cusco Llama. And I spent most of my day running from animator to animator, checking shots and stuff like that. And then I'd stay late and work till like 11 or 12, or 10, 11 and 12. I still had to drive home. I was at Burbank to, to, um, to wherever I was at the time, uh, Santa Clarita. And uh, so I had to make sure I didn't fall asleep at the wheel. But um, other than that, uh, it was a long, long, long day's work uh every day just trying to get that stuff done and uh yeah then there were scenes that just took forever i mean <laughs> some of the longest footage i've ever done in my life was on that there's like a 75 foot scene of cusco the, the first shot in the film where he's whimpering and crying and um you know you put everything into it um uh that you could and and trying to get as much entertainment value out of it. But it also, working with those people, that's Disney, with Glenn, Mark, Andreas, Eric, Will, Dave, you know, Ruben, all these, you know, I can, I'm missing people. Kathy, you know. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, it forms in you a, a, um, a sense of admiration and competition. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you, you, you find yourself like uh, um, going, this is great to be among all these people that that are at the top of their game, but it also strives you because you want to work more. You want to you want to excel. So every scene you get, you try to 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 well to do what Baxter did at Roger Rabbit. He was a trainee and they, somebody gave him a couple of scenes to do. And, and they were just foot pedal, foot on a pedal, pumping the gas. And they were like, this is beautiful animation. Oh, we got to promote them. It was just a foot pumping the gas, you know? And he took it and he did it to the best of his ability. And he just, the stuff shined because it was so fluid, you know? And um, um, so every scene I got, I always tried to make sure that I- Knocked it out of the park. I, yeah, as best, of my, as, best, as best as I could. You know, and try to add in those little things. To take a look at, uh, um, like references. Instead of instead of looking at old animation, um, I would prefer to look at uh, performances that I like. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, the whole you know, no, no touchy, no touchy, all that mm -hmm. stuff. You know, there's um, there's an old Don Knotts film, uh, Shakiest Gun in the West. It's like <sighs> these things are. You know, the Andy Griffith show, Barney Fife, you know, like this. Don't come near me. 
lethal weapons here, you know, that type of stuff. So I was, the, that was the idea for that shot, you know, is this, the, the, the no touchy thing. Um, I wrote that, that one was, down so I could check it out. But, you know, that type of thing, uh, big inspiration. Um, one of my favorite series of all time as the original, the Dick Van Dyke show. And Dick Van Dyke is like a cartoon character in real life. I mm -hmm. mean, there's certain things. I, I, you, you look at certain episodes where he's uncomfortable and he's, you know, look at the body language. You watch that. You watch certain things you do. I mean, um, I remember, uh, you know, studying some of that. I also remember looking at life and, and, and coming up with little bits that I thought, I'd love to put this in. I remember like 10 years earlier, I was remember going, I'd love to do it, a thing where a character just goes, I don't know. You know, that type of thing, which people do, right? It's kind of yeah, gross, yeah. but I just thought, one of these days I'm going to be able to use that. So you store it in the back. And then there's a scene where he goes, uh, Ursula, so no hard feelings, right? <laughs> so I thought this would be a perfect place to do that. And so I did a rough and Mark liked it. And so I put it in and, you know, I don't even think there's a character that's ever, you know, picked an eye booger and <laughs> ever, you know? But I just thought, yeah, I want to do something like that. Do something that's never been done before, you know? Because coming up with business and things to do with the hands and all that stuff, that's really hard to do. And you don't want to overact and you don't want to do too much. But you do want to do stuff that people will relate to. And so I always try to, to infuse my stuff with, with things like that, stuff that takes certain pauses. There's, there's a scene of Hades where he's talking to Hercules, and he's like, you know, you maybe mm, take a few days off, right? Well, there's no mm in it, but I thought that's what I would do. You know, maybe you could, uh, I don't know, take a few days off. So I thought it's added work, but man, it brings a lot to the yes. idea, the, the, the performance. And uh, it's, uh, I thought if this were just a regular scene, I had to get it done. It's like, you probably just do it. Uh, maybe you could take a few days off. You just pause instead of doing something that, that makes the character relatable. It's like, it's the old. You hit him with the razzle dazzle. That's what you yeah, do. You hit him the with the razzle dazzle. Feeling thing. You, know, you make the characters come to life. Sylvester's carrying a bunch of stuff and things drop and he has to put the stuff down and go back, pick up this thing and come back. I mm -hmm. mean, it's a lot of work, extra work because it's animation, but you show that things happen. Uh, accidents happen. Uh, so uh, I kept that in my mind and there's a scene of rescuers down under where he goes to pull the map down a fair fair from here to there and he his first attempt is is he misses it and then he gets it on the second one you know things like that and and it sort of brings the character into reality a bit yes you know, humanizes not, him yeah it's not all perfect it's 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 uh it's relatable you know so um um so yeah, the, the, but uh, as far as Cusco goes, you know, um, that to me, that was the best. Uh, Mark let us all sort of express ourselves. Selves, um, and I worked with, worked with Tony and Bruce and Dale and um, uh, these guys, top of their game, um, really love working with them. Um, Wish I could have done more scenes with Tony, but 
I, I spent a lot of my time on human Cusco. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, it took me a month to do that scene of him in the rain, walking over in the leaf dumping water on him and all that stuff. And uh, I, I said, I, I put a lot into that. It took me a long time to do it. Somebody told me years later that uh, uh, the animator who worked on on that um, Bounding Pixar film used that animation of Cusco as a reference. I was really? Like, oh, that's nice. That was nice. I don't know how <laughs> true it was, but uh, somebody told me that, and I just don't I look into it, just in case it's false. Kind of like when you yeah. said Andreas was the. <laughs> I should have just left it at that. I shouldn't have asked if Andreas was really the inspiration for Hades, because now I was a little crushed, Nick. But nonetheless, Nick. So, so I, I don't want to say something into... about that. You, you, have, you put a pin in that for for the next time we want to talk about Hades. We'll talk about all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm writing that one down. So I'm gonna write Hades. Bring it back up. Um, All right. um, but, but, um, but yeah, the, 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 everybody was on top of their game. I had some really good people, uh, working on that, uh, uh, on that film. Uh, I mean, Jin Kim was on the unit. Yeah. Uh, this stuff was amazing. Uh, and I had a lot of amazing people working on, it. I don't think I would have gotten that film done. It hadn't been for a lot of the people who, you know, picked up the slack. I, I know I couldn't do it all. And because uh, there's so much footage on that character, but um, I think it turned out great. So much great stuff, so much great animation in that. It was a very funny film. People comment about it constantly. Uh, it is one of, I, if not my favorite film, um, it's pretty close. I, I, uh, Beauty and the Beast is one of those films that I think is really everything works in that film for me mm-hmm. Beauty and the beast is one of those ones where the characters that i worked on like if you took miko and flit out of pocahontas you'd still have pocahontas that's how yeah. you know that's how integral to the to the plot they were you know what i mean so which they weren't really but mm-hmm. they were just comic relief but lumiere and Cogsworth, all that they served a purpose, you know. There, yeah. it was a very strong story. So that one is one of my favorites, uh, even though it's not one of our better-looking films. Um, uh, each film we learned uh, from the previous yeah. ones, and uh, so uh, I can talk about that too in the, the future as well. But um, but Groove was like for comedy, for the you know characters. Uh, even though it had a rough start to it, it was still, I was eminently satisfied with the result of that film. And I wish I could have done a couple more like it. We almost did. And then the CG thing hit the studio and that was it. Um, um, Mark and Randy went on for to do Chicken Little and I followed into the CG for there, for, uh, for, for that picture. But uh, I always wanted to, uh, right after that, though, I almost had a potential. They were their next picture was going to be like a thing called tentatively called Red's Wolf, mm-hmm. and it was a two D film. And they wanted me to be the overall animation supervisor on it. I was like, "This is great. This would be great." What a what a feather in my cap! And then the whole thing was shut down. And yeah. So that was a missed opportunity, but still. I got to work on that one, and uh, that was a very uh, special and amazing uh, experience. Um, 
yeah, uh, it may it may be my favorite uh, Disney film that I worked on. Oh, yeah. that's that's high praise, man. Because like I said, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. Um, it's very hard to pick when you have multiple kids, which one's your favorite, even though, like I said, some days you might have a favorite, some days you might not like either one of them. Right. So, um, very rarely do I get to hear you guys say, Hey, this one was probably my favorite. It's generally two, three, four way tie. Um, however, uh, Emperor's new groove, it, it, like I said, it's a phenomenon in my opinion, it's a perfect movie like you create you helped create it so i'm pretty sure you could see some of the flaws in it just like with me when i cook for a living i see the flaw in every single dish i put up shit i should have added x y and z i'm pretty sure you guys think the same thing You're like ah fuck man we could have done a little bit maybe a little bit more red in this you know shit like that man we always see for me it's it's always about i see a scene i go could have done it that way should have done it that way that didn't work quite well should add a few more in-betweens in there I should have done this. I should have done. That. I wish I could fix it now. It's the same thing. A lot of my scene, a lot of my films I worked on are like that. The only one that's not like that is Pocahontas. How come? Um, well, first of all, I had an amazing cleanup artist on it. Um, guy named Dave Nethery, um, and he, he, uh, he. He controlled that. He he saved a lot of shots that were um, that may not have worked as well. He really worked, uh, tried to make sure that all everything worked and clean up. And maybe some of the shots were a little too rough. He you know as he cleaned it up and uh, he would follow through and all that. I had some really good cleanup artists on my on my uh, stuff. Um, uh, yeah, Dave Nethery is one. Cal LaDuke, who did a lot of the my characters. Uh, uh, we worked together on a lot of films. He did amazing stuff. Uh, really helps um, Ed Gutierrez and, and uh, Bill Berg and some of these guys that did work with Glenn and people like that. Uh, having a good cleanup lead really you that you work well with really helps your stuff. Mm -hmm. um because you're not perfect you you do things and then you look at it and you go i need to fix that and so you go back in and and they'll allow you to fix certain things and you can adjust certain things and give it back to them and they'll tie it and clean it all up for you that this corrections and stuff like that but with um uh with the miko you know it was dave and it was also um brian ferguson who Mm -hmm. was who was the lead on panic on Hercules, but uh, on Miko, he was on the Miko unit. I gave him huge sections to do, and he's a great animator. Um, and uh, I had a couple other people on there as well. And uh, I look at that, and it's all the Miko stuff looks really solid to me. I, there's not a lot of stuff where I go, oh, I wish I could redo that again. That's probably the only one. Even Hades, there are scenes where I'm like, and they're not necessarily mine either <laughs> but there are just some i i couldn't i had to let go because i didn't have the time you know and yeah. uh, um a lot of the scenes same with beauty and the beast to say even even um, um emperor's new group there's some scenes in there where i go or i watch it now and i think and you know uh, a lot of it had to do with overlapping action and things like that some people would uh, animate the character and and not move the fur and it drove me nuts because this is disney you move the fur all the that's what makes it 
that's what gives it that Disney quality. You don't just treat it like, you know, Fred's uh, suit, uh, you know, yeah. for Flintstone suit Flintstone. or something. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, you know, where the legs walk underneath it. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's not the way it works. This is Disney animation, right? So I had constantly had to like push them. It's like, will you remember your secondary actions and remember your follow through on your on your stuff, on your clothing, on, you know, the earrings and all that stuff, the swing of them, they, they just don't, they, they're not glued to a side of his face, you know, things like that. It's, it was a constant uh, battle on that because people are always focused on the primary animation and they ignore it. I mean, uh, Hades was a huge one for that because everything, you know, all this cloth and, and yeah. you know, drapery and stuff like that. Ugh. That stuff, and then don't get me started on Charlotte. Just ballroom dress with the chiffon and the earrings and the hair and the things and the puffs and the. Uh, it's just I several passes through each of those characters just to get all that all that follow through and all that overlap uh, taken care of, just because it's Disney. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I want to ask you a question, and then we'll get, we'll get right to the fans' questions. Um, okay. Now, I, I've only just started realizing this, and I'm going to try to draw, whenever I have you guys on, I try to draw a correlation to what you guys do to what I do. That way, when you see yourself in a character, you're like, oh, I, 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 can, I can feel for that character a little bit more. So when I can kind of do that with what you guys do for a profession, I, I try to. Now, this might be complete, like, bullshit thinking. However, I'm going to ask this question nonetheless. Um, when I was listening to that story, what I got from that is the same thing I get when I when I look at cooking, right? So the places that I used to eat when I was a lot younger before I became, I'm not a master of my craft, not saying that, because I, I think just with cooking and with your profession as well, a lot of you guys don't see yourselves as your students still. Nobody's a master, you're a student, you're always learning. The day you stop learning is the day you die, right? So with that being said, I sit here and I think about these these memories that I had when I was 16, 15, I would go to these restaurants that I absolutely loved. And I'm lucky enough to have a couple of those restaurants still around from 16 years ago, right? And I go back and I eat their food. Everything's the same. The menu's the same. The food's the same. The staff is the same. It's family run. With the exception of one place that I like to go, which is the Greek village in Lake Mary, Florida. Um, every place that I've grown up with, I go in there and I'm like, man, this food is, it's, I don't want to say it sucks, but it's not as good as I remember. I was like, what, what, what was that? Was that me? Is that me reminiscing about a time that I look back so fondly on? Right. And I think about the smells, the tastes, the first time I had the Chinese food at my, my local spot that I still go to whenever I want shit Chinese food. Do I still, am I reminiscing about the time that I first had it where you're chasing that dragon in a sense, or is it the perspective that I've grown with all the food that I've made, all the times that I've fucked up making food, all the amazing food I've had at restaurants and different countries and different cities and different people where it's broadened my perspective, right? So with that logic that I just laid out there, do you look at it that way or were you looking at it that way back then when you guys were making this movie? If that makes any sense whatsoever, I hope it does. Um, make uh, it. I guess it, what I'm getting at it, do, do you feel like you can look at the movie and, and the issues you see now? Is that something that you think you would have saw back then? Or is this thinking hindsight always being 2020, if you will? Long story short, hindsight being 2020. Do you see it more now? Or do you think you would have seen the same issues that you're, you just described back then? I, I would totally see it um, um, 
I totally see it as as um, growing mm-hmm. in your craft. There are even scenes that I thought were really good that I did when I first did them mm-hmm. that I look at now and I'm like, I could do that. I could redo that better. Yeah. I, think I, 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 I know what I did wrong. I know why it's stilted or this didn't work quite what I hoped it would. And I wish I could go back and fix it. There are some where I didn't realize the, that it needed fixing until I saw it in color. And that's just like technical issues where, um, you know, there's a scene in, in uh, Beauty and the Beast with Lumiere as he comes in and dusts Cogsworth's salt off Cogsworth's head during Be, Be Our Guest. And um, there's a there's a optical illusion where his head comes in and then his hand follows and he and the head is the same shape as the hand because they're both candles and it looks like a, a jump because your eye goes to the object that's closest to it and I didn't uh, put it I didn't think about that when I was drawing it in line but then when it was filled in it's jumped to me and I'm like crap and I wanted to fix it. I've always wanted to fix it and it's I, they, they won't let me they never even when they did the the, the um, redo in 90 98 they wouldn't <laughs> I said can I go back and no okay okay just ask again if I could just you know fix as soon that. as we're done with this chat I'm gonna go back and watch that movie and I'm gonna look for that scene because I've never noticed I <laughs> love when you guys point this stuff out did you ever watch the first Ninja Turtles movie the live action one that Jim Henson did for the suits back in 1990 uh, no uh yes yes I did Okay, so there's a couple scenes in that movie, and I did not notice it until I started talking to people that worked on this movie. There were scenes where they would tell me, uh, either on camera, off camera, like, oh, yeah, in this scene where he's skateboarding up in the sewers, the the guy that's that's doing the, the, the skateboarding, he's not wearing a glove. I think it's on his left hand. And he was <laughs> like, so you see all turtle suit, and then you see a human hand. And then he was also saying there's a scene where they're all in the bathroom and then Raph is just starting to come out of his, uh, his, his coma after being, having the shit beat out of him. Um, and Donatello throws his head back and he's laughing. And then you see another mouth, the actor's mouth laughing inside the turtle suit. It's fucking haunting. It looks like the turtle ate somebody. So when you guys point out stuff and I had Aaron blaze on a few months ago, phenomenal person. Dude, he was so fun to talk to. I can't wait yeah. to talk to him again as well. Um, but he, he was, he said the same thing. You said we could not stay on model for beauty and the beast, man. It was this, he was like, if you go back and look, I was like, dude, I never fucking noticed. And he was like, really? And I was like, Dude, I'm 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 being a hundred percent serious with you. I sit down and I watch these movies. Like I, some sometimes I want to get introspective, and sometimes I want to look deeper into these characters. When like, why is he or she doing this when he should be doing this? What are they thinking about to drive whatever action it is they're trying to do? What is that fucking motive that they got behind them? There are like four different bells in that movie <laughs> that's what that's what he said and i believe i believe tom told me that that same story as well where he's like we just couldn't stay he was like there was four there's four bells. i believe it was tom cedo um but but when you guys tell me this stuff i love going back to look because i just sit on the couch and i sit back and i reminisce i enjoy being fucking eight years old again i'd be four years old whatever it is whatever age i was when i first saw these movies i love it it's nothing it's something like that scene in Ratatouille, right? Where Ego's sitting there, he's eating it, right? And then he eats the Ratatouille at the end of the movie. And then he mm-hmm. drops the fork and he gets yeah. transported back in time. Not yeah. only is that the, the that is the- That's a great that, 
oh man, Ratatouille was like the final nail in the coffin to push me into cooking. Um, you know, Emerald Lagasse was a major one, but seeing Ratatouille, I was like, fuck dude, I got to do this. But uh, anybody can cook is what Gusto said. Um, but when Ego drops that fork, that is the memory. That is what every cook chases. I don't give a fuck what any cook says. There's not a cook out there. Maybe if you work, it's not a dig at McDonald's, but maybe if you're a 16 year old, you work at McDonald's, you're just flipping burgers because you need some extra money to buy some shit. Maybe you're not really chasing that dream. You're just trying to get some fucking money. Right. But for anybody that takes it as a serious profession, right? That's what you chase as a cook. That is the whole goal to say, I absolutely love this without saying I absolutely love this. Right. Yeah. So when I watch you guys as movies, that's what I feel. I feel that same sense of me being a little kid watching this with my friends or watching this with my aunts and uncles, and my grandparents that are no longer here. My mom taken to me these movies when I was a little kid. That's what I flash back to when I see this. So I don't see the mistakes you guys see. I see the perfection. And also, you know, the tastes change and things like that. You know, you were talking about, uh, is it crap or is it? you know, just my memory of it, or was it crap back then? And I mean, it's the same thing as when I was a kid, I used to buy Captain Crunch and Crunch Berries. I'd separate I them love in it. different bowls. I'd eat all the Captain Crunch every day, you know, and until it was gone. And then I'd have a big bowl of Crunch Berries. It was the best, right? I can't even look at that stuff now. I don't know if the 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 the, uh, the amount of sugar they put in is changed. Oh, I'm still eating the hell out of it because they they, they changed it to, to high fructose corn syrup or whatever. Mm. I don't know what, but maybe it's different now. But at the time, I could eat a ton of it. It was delicious. But now, can't even look at that stuff. Uh, you know that the you know, but but I love um, Captain Crunch. I love Captain Crunch. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that it's the same thing. It's like people said, well, what's your favorite movies growing up? Uh, what was your what's name me some of your favorite animated movies, right? And I would, what's your guilty pleasure? And uh, my guilty pleasure is uh, Man Called Flintstone. And, oh, that's such a good one. I love and, that one. And and the interesting thing is, is that when you watch it, you realize that. Yeah, it wasn't like like least Hey There It's Yogi Bear had ink cells and there was an attempt to make it look good, but you know, Man Called Flintstone was pretty much grease pencil on cell. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, it but it was something charming about it though. It was oh, no, no, I, no, I enjoyed the hell I, out agree, of it. I agree, but but technically it yes, wasn't yeah. like an amazing thing, but but that movie for some reason, uh, I mean, I love the Flintstones. Anyway, it's one of my it's my one of my favorite series. Um, um, yeah, there's no continuity in it. Um, there's didn't a, need it. It was perfect. There's some you know bad episodes uh, and all that, but but overall, you know, the performances were solid. Uh, the the voice talent was amazing, and some of the artists who worked on Tom and Jerry's in the '40s, uh, they did a lot of scenes that you could. There's so many different Freds in there that some are amazing. Um, you can tell a Ken Muse Fred from a, you know, whatever. It just certain certain way they drew them, and and Alan Reed as the voice of Fred and all that. I just I love that series. And but that movie for some reason, even and and I know people I, I criticize American Tale, and maybe people say, oh, what about the songs in Man Called Flintstone? It's like I don't care what you say. I like those songs. They're great. You know. <laughs> And the guy who wrote them, he wrote a lot of the, the he wrote a lot of the, the stuff for the Pat Freeling too. He was yeah. um, uh, 
Doug Goodwin. Um, he wrote a lot of the theme songs and stuff for the Patty Freeland shows and things like that. Uh, love that stuff, you know. Um, you said Doug Goodwin? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna look that and, name up. And, um, and, but he was one of the writers on Man Called Flintstone and things like that. But I mean, uh, that, that, uh, I, I say that because I'm, I'm into uh, soundtracks and TV mm -hmm. soundtracks and uh, television themes and things like that. I'm very into that stuff. I have a massive collection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, um, uh, I look at it and yeah, it's not perfect, but I still like it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, now that's not to say that everything I liked as a child, I still have a fondness for. I remember as a kid, I loved, um, um, was it uh, Dastardly and Muttley and their flying machines or stop yes. that pigeon, right? And I just, I remember as a kid watching that every Saturday morning. I loved it with my big bowl of French berries or whatever. <laughs> So I saw it. It was the, the series. The, the the it was on. They sold it on DVD, right? So I'm like, oh, I gotta get this. So I bought it. I put it in. I watched like three episodes. My kids watched it with me. They watched. Um, they were young too. They were like eight, nine, ten, or something like that. They watched the first episode. By the third episode, they were gone. Right? It didn't hold their their interest at all. Did all three was, stay for all three episodes, or was it like one episode one would leave, another one, the other one? Yeah, pretty out? much. I mean, <laughs> but what I discovered is it was crap. It was crap. It was crap. I was like, I couldn't, and the, the jokes and the humor was lame. And, and then, you, you know, you look at the credits and, you know, you see, you know, stories uh, by written by Mike Maltese. I'm like, oh man, there's somebody Ooh. who did a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow, this stuff is so bad. You know, jokes like uh, I'm going to the barn dance tonight, and you cut to a barn with legs dance. It's like, <laughs> I turned it off, packaged it up, sold it on eBay the next day. <laughs> I never looked back. I was just like, wow. I, I can't I don't know why I liked it as a kid, but I did, you know, but some things don't age well. This is the difference because this is why, you know, people who grew up in the 90s watching things like Powerpuff Girls, those shows, they're still excellent. You know, uh, that's that stuff was amazing, you know. I, um, and uh, Craig's a master at, at what we, he does. We never man. had stuff like that in the 70s. It was just, you know churning it out chopping it out and sending it the, you know lame jokes lame whatever you know it was just get it done and yeah that, so there wasn't the quality wasn't there you know the the best stuff on saturday morning was the stuff from the 40s <laughs> classic warner stuff you know that's why i was so into it because the the, the current stuff even mm -hmm. though it had all the fancy bells and whistles like space and travel and all this stuff then had no know. substance yeah no substance you, you they they it, it's like today's version of of uh, clickbait yeah you know the impossibles frankenstein jr like cool whoa, 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 whoa. nick 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 hold on i love frankenstein jr now i love because I, I there was no there was no you don't understand i do too i haven't even seen that stuff but if you look at it it's not it's 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 cool but it's they could do so much more with it. They could. They really you know, can. 
but but the, the writing wasn't there and the and the and the the quality wasn't there you know it's just it's just it, it lacks something you had a good premise but you didn't know how to use it and and then to be fair you know standards and practices probably there's certain things yeah. they wouldn't allow you to do back well, they then. axed the hell out of it I yeah mean, exactly if you watch you know some of the 90s animaniacs and some of the 90s uh and even they didn't they they hit and miss a lot too you know mm -hmm. But uh, um, at least there was an attempt to, to recreate that sort of uh, Warner Brothers shorts of the 40s yes. and 50s. They put that into their cartoons because they knew that it wasn't only kids that were watching it. You know, I think in the 70s, they realized that it was just, you know, uh, kitty fodder. I mm. don't think they thought, oh, parents are going to be watching this along with their kids. So we better put something in there for them. You know, I guess the closest thing you could maybe maybe star trek the animated series but uh you know other than that the rest of it the stuff from hanna barbera and things you know uh, the closest thing i could say is maybe the first one or two seasons of scooby-doo they 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 tried a little bit with shaggy and scooby and things like that but other than that the rest of that stuff that they put in uh, you know the rest of the series that they made throughout the 70s you know the stuff in the 60s was a little better like i said i i you know i you know uh frankenstein jr and the impossibles one of my favorite shows as a kid so so but again if you watch it now it's still you know still there's stuff missing uh, i don't want to put you on the spot but do you smoke weed nick no <laughs> okay so that's that's probably that's probably why like see me uh i have I have this thing where I'm the best fan, but also the shittiest fan. If I go in there, right? So if we go in and watch the same movie, we sit and watch the same cartoon, obviously we're going to have differing opinions. However, if I can go in there and be transported away, like if you can buy me in, right? If I can suspend disbelief and yeah. I can sit back and think Frankenstein Jr. is out here fighting monsters and he's a, he's a superhero right now. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm sold. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be the worst movie in the world. Like, but if I can sit there and I'd be like, Oh, I get why this character is doing this. I understand what this director, this writer, this animator was doing. I get it. I am the worst. I'm the, like I said, I'm the worst fan. If I, if I can just suspend disbelief, I'm, I'm happy. I'm sold. It doesn't matter if it's shit or if it's good. It's just, I don't know. I'm just that but weird. You know, but again, it's the same thing. It's like Powerpuff Girls. They fight monsters too, mm -hmm. but there's things that they do where you go, this is brilliant. You know? Oh yeah. There's this levels to this shit brilliant. for sure. I mean, one of the first shows I saw of the Powerpuff Girls, it was, I didn't even watch the show, but I uh, I think I, the kids had it on one day or something. I saw something, uh, my brother is a big fan and he said, you should watch this. And so I turned on one episode and it was, it was a brilliant episode where it was about the tooth fairy, you know? Yes. <laughs> I was like, that's great. Yeah, it's super violent in a way, but it was knocking out teeth to get money. I just think that's great. That was the, what, a, what a great concept. So that's that's the thing that you know, Frankenstein Jr. fighting monsters compared with Powerpuff Girls fighting monsters. I mean, the the added thing is the entertainment value. You know, it's it's uh, it's you, you got good writing. You know, and and to me, that's why the the Warner stuff shined to me because it was good animation, yes. good character, good voices. But the writing was Perfect. fantastic too, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had some stinkers, but 
for the most part, and that's, you know, that's why I like Chuck Jones. A lot of his stuff, most of his stuff was spot on. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he and Maltese, um, even his stuff in the 40s wasn't as good as his late 40s, early 50s, mid 50s stuff when he and Maltese were a team. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, amazing, really solid works of art as far as i'm concerned as far as you know writing and and visuals and all that as well i love uh, the coyote and, and the roadrunner man that that area you're talking about fucking knocked it out of the park yeah yeah and i mean i, I there's a there's a thing in roger rabbit where i i did a homage to chuck jones yeah where he that my big scene in roger rabbit where he uh says don't anybody move all right june reach the sky or let the judge have it or all right reasons or whatever roger oh yes it's me my dear so when he leaps over he does this sort of chuck jones pose <laughs> that is so cool that's my tribute to chuck jones and uh yeah and so uh, you know that 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 scene took me a month to do because it was i had to do all the characters in it it's just so long so much work and did you uh, ever get to tell him that story um did i ever i don't know if i did um when i worked with chuck it was on a film called chariots of fur it was like Mm -hmm. 95 (laughs) and i i was like uh, over the moon well first of all i i my my name in the film in the credits it's spelled backwards of course <laughs> chuck made me you know made me mad at him because he changed it i i wrote it out my name backwards i put irene arkin right that's that's my name backwards right and he changed it to irene i'm like crap oh. just just the way i wrote it you wouldn't i would you know what if i change your name to up chuck jones i mean would you like that no you wouldn't put it the way. he says oh they're gonna find out no one's gonna find out no one cares just put it the way it was supposed to what i put it in but anyways you know despite that the first day i went in because he wanted to pitch the scene to me I, I went in it was freelance i was still working at disney at the time i think it was early on before um before uh, Pocahontas really got going. So we had downtime. So uh, I wanted to work with Chuck Jones. This is my only chance. So I went over to the place where he was at. It was at the old Warner Roots studio lot there. And I'm in his office and he says, he's sitting down, he's going through and it's like, well, this scene, the Roadrunner. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. But in my mind, I'm going, it's Chuck Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I didn't even hear a word he said thankfully the scene got cut and he gave me another one that was a scene with a huge mouse in it or whatever but <laughs> but i was so over the moon that i was actually getting pitched a scene by chuck jones you know and it was of a coyote you know it's, it's just it was just, it blew my mind and at the end i i had a scene of uh of cell um of um it was um was it? It was a Bugs Bunny cell from Bully for Bugs original. Yeah, for Bugs um, cell, and I had him sign it to me. And he says, "Well, don't tell Linda. She wouldn't want me to do it, but I'll do it." So he signed it to me and all that stuff. So I have actually two cells. He visited. He visited Pocahontas early on. He visited the studio, and I had. A, and I knew he was coming, so I brought in a Daffy Duck cell from 
from uh, Robin Hood Daffy. With the oh, such a good one. Right? Yeah. So I had a cell of that and I got into sign that. So I have two signed Chuck Jones cells of both one Daffy and the other Bugs. And it's just, yeah, it was, it was great. Unfortunately, I signed them with a black Sharpie and that stuff fades in time. So should have had them sign it with a blue Sharpie. Those don't fade as much. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, he, uh, I never, I didn't really talk to him all that much. You, you don't know what to say. When you're talking to people like that, you, you start getting tongue-tied and, mm -hmm. and you sound like a, like a jabbering idiot. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have all these questions you want to ask, but you don't know how to ask them. And, and I, so, you know, it's the same thing. I, uh, I, I, a lot of certain people were my, my heroes growing up and I always wanted to, to meet them. And I, I got to meet the people that I really admired that uh, growing up and, um, and Chuck Jones was one of them. So I met him, I met him several times and I got a bunch of things signed. Um, um, and, uh, I have, I have uh, his book, uh, Chuck, uh, Chuck, Chuck Mock, yeah. um, a friend of mine named Charles Solomon, he, uh, Chuck said he wanted to meet some of the animators who worked on little mermaid after mm -hmm. it was done. Right. And so he invited me, Andreas, Duncan, and one other person, I can't remember, down to meet Chuck Jones at his place. And so I said, yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, it'd be great. And so we spent the afternoon with Chuck Jones, you know, at his home. Oh, cool. And, and uh, he wrote in my book, uh, Loved Your Work, uh, Admiringly, Chuck Jones. <laughs> I was like, this is great. So there's plenty of times that I met him. He he was just it was it was amazing to to work with somebody that you you know inspired you all those yeah. years ago. That's just that was a that was an amazing uh, experience. Yeah, it's always fun to hear you guys fan out like I fan out when I get to talk to you guys. <laughs> like like I said, it it's it's really cool to get to see because just for a second there, I saw Nick at 12 years old watching these these cartoons i saw him at 15 years old and he wanted to take this more serious and then he's in this animation game he's chasing these heroes he's chasing these idols now he's on that same level and there's people that look at you the same way you look at chuck and the way same way chuck looked at who he looked up to and just it, it's it's fascinating to see the lineage of fans right yeah. and as we as we as we go through this this chat i've gotten to learn a lot from you that i didn't get to see in many of the interviews that i've seen on you on or any of the articles that i've read or anything that's out there whenever i try to do a little bit of research on you guys try to go and read anything or watch anything that you guys have done yeah. um so getting to see and hear some of these stories tonight have been real fun um what we're going to do is since i because I, I did not mean to keep you for two hours it's almost 11 o'clock um you want to do some of the questions for quickly well what, what, what we'll do is i'll use i'll do the standard three because they won't take much thought and since we're going to do a part two i'll save all of these questions because i took pictures of all of them i usually write them down but with uh, somebody hitting my mailbox tonight and taking care of that shit, I didn't have time to write all these down. All right. um, so I'll save these questions. And what we'll do is we'll book in this one and say to be continued. And then we'll put all the fans questions and I'll put out another, another social media thread and we'll get some more. Um, and then we'll do all those fans questions in the second, uh, the second part. Yeah. Um, so, but the three that I always ask, man, uh, the first one, is uh i pre-gamed you on the first two actually so 
two books on animation that you would recommend. It doesn't have to be animation. It could be an illustration book or uh, Charles Schultz. I'm a huge Charles Schultz fan. So he's come up quite a few times. So people say his art books and stuff like that. But what are two books that you think every animator or every fan of animation should have on their shelves? Oh, every fan of animation. Well, I mean. Fan or know, somebody that works in the industry. It's a cliche to say uh, illusion of life. It comes but up. Yeah, that's a huge that is a huge thing. That's like a, a wealth of Disney animation knowledge mm -hmm. in that. And then, of course, you know, um, Dick Williams. Yeah. Uh, Dick Williams' book and Eric Goldberg's book. You know, both of those, uh, Animation Crash Course and the... Uh, survival uh, Guide. Survival Guide, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those two. Um, yeah. Um, it's so funny. People always ask me. Uh, I've had a couple. Uh, was it one person at a convention? Somebody said, I, I, "I represent a bookseller. Would you be interested in doing a book?" And uh, my idea of a book would be um, doing a, uh, a my time at Disney. But that's not what they meant. They meant a book on technical things, yeah. animation. And all I can think about is. You want me to write down all my bad habits? <laughs> it's like, I don't think that's going to help anybody. You know, I'm so left-handed. I, I flip and I draw with the same hand. I don't, I don't do this. I don't draw and flip. I, I, I draw and then I put the pencil down and I flip like this and then I put the. So my right hand is basically a paperweight most times. So, you know, things like that. Um, I don't, I don't. I don't uh, do thumbnails really. I uh, count on my hand, uh, on my fingers, the one hand, the amount of time I did thumbnails in the past. Uh, I started to do them and uh, on Mermaid and I just, uh, it didn't work. What I usually do is I do a scribble pass. Um, and some of those are on my uh, Facebook page, the uh, Nick Ranieri animator page. Um, it has all those, uh, um, um, pencil tests and things like that. And some of them I kept the roughs for. So you see stages of the animation of the scenes and how they start out and how ugly they are. Um, but again, it was, it was one of those things where uh, I needed to explore and not worry about model. I needed to explore um, performance and attitude and not worry about how beautiful these drawings are. And I needed to get them in front of the director's ASAP. So I would, I would uh, do these scribble tests and, uh, and, <laughs> and no matter how many times I did them, I always had to explain to the directors every single movie, you know, this is just a way for me to get it in front of you. We can talk about it. Do you like the direction it's going? Do you like the ideas that I have in it? Do you like the performance is, you know, and I remember I, I worked with Ron and John so many times, you know, and, and um, it's still, I, I would do scribble passes for them and they get to know me and uh, get to know the way I work. But then of course, Hercules rolls around and I do my first scribble pass on Hades. And John looks at me and goes, now this is going to be drawn better, right? I was like, yes, John, yes. I do a scribble pass so I can get it in front of you within a day or two. So I don't waste my time doing long 
beautiful drawings that you're going, no, I didn't like that direction that you did on this character. Do it again. You know, <laughs> I, I don't have time for that stuff. So yeah, I, it, I'm going to draw it out, tie it down. That's, that's where it works smarter, not harder is what I'm yeah. hearing. So, I mean, I, I mean, there are some things I just don't know if it fit in a book. So, um, so as far as animation books goes, there are people who have done it a lot better than I have. And like I said, Dick Williams, and um, I mean, I learned a lot from both of those guys, Dick and Eric, and uh, and then Illusion of Life. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, read through that when I first got it in, in 1980 or whenever it first came out. Um, uh, we didn't have anything like that. When, um, when I was first starting out, um, my big goal was to find a copy of the Fleischer story, and that didn't yeah. even have um or, or tex avery king of cartoons and that didn't even have animation theory it just had uh, it was just a sort of a fan book based on mm -hmm. tex avery and the fleischer studios and stuff like that but there's very little maybe maybe the other thing was the walter foster uh, books the preston blair uh books the, those things that was all we basically had early on to work out you know certain concepts of animation and things like that yeah so yeah, those things. I mean, nowadays there's so much. Yeah. So you, much. YouTube alone, there's so much. Well, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's so funny because I I started out. I, I mean, I did my first film uh, when I was in uh, still in uh, just just graduated high school. This was late seventies, and I. Um, I took a course, an animation, not an animation course, but art fundamentals course at Sheridan College, and I flunked out of it because, you know, art fundamentals had all these dumb courses, textiles and things I had no interest in. I just wanted to get in the animation program. They wouldn't let me in. They say, take yeah. art fundamentals. I took it. I bombed out. In that interim, the, the year that I was off, I sat down and I animated my own film. Now, it was very crude, but I, you know, but I painted all the cells and all that nowadays man i wish i had the technology back then um it was just amazing you know every single drawing i had to be painted and put on the cell and traced and all that stuff back then i still have pictures of me lining my bed with you know cells to dry them with nowadays you got an animation studio in a box harmony or, or tv paint or whatever um man the things i could have done back then with that type of uh technology uh people now just youtube is full of people's personal animation projects if you've got the drive to to put out that much you can do it. i mean you know my daughter's actually doing some of that now uh, it's not full animation it's just sort of posing and sort of like an animatics style but um that's really you know, cool though you know she's 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 doing it and so i you know that's um but yeah, there's a lot of material out there to, for animators to 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 be inspired by and all that. And uh, and yeah, and you can yeah, YouTube. You can even go frame by frame. You know, it's great. Yep. <laughs> so, it so, really yeah. is. It's it's in your hands, ladies and gentlemen. You can go as far as you want to. Just got to put in the work. Uh, this this next question. Uh, is how we're actually talking because I asked Sandra this question. Uh, animation recommendation. Uh, if you had fun on the show, who do you think would also have fun on this show? I brought that up with Sandro, and Sandra's like, if you had Nick Ranieri, and I was like, I have not. And he was like, you need Nick and you need Joe. 
So who would you recommend? I could recommend, um, you talked with Tony Bancroft? I've actually, I've, I've, uh, they were wrapped up in uh, mermaid or mermaid, excuse me. Uh, I got to reach back out to them because their podcast, have you done, I, I want to say I've, I've heard you on their podcast. Yeah, I know yeah. I have. Um, because, uh, when I, when I started deep diving in 2020, I think I went back and listened to almost their entire back catalog. Uh, so I've been talking with Tom and Tony, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, the Bancroft brothers podcast is phenomenal. You guys got to check that one out. Um, so yeah, I've, I've talked to them. I got to reach back out and see if they still want to come on, but yeah, uh, Tom and Tony are for sure on that list of uh, people I would love to have on. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm trying to think, uh, like who oh, uh, yeah um yeah uh, i'm not even sure who you've had on so far oh quite a, quite a quite a few quite a few people here nick but i'll let you think about it and then i'll reach back out and see who 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 i should reach out to um but this one is always one of my favorite questions and uh, it, it's interesting to see because I usually write down at least one name. I, there's not been one Mount Rushmore of animators, influence, anybody that's inspired you throughout your entire career. And we've already heard one name pretty prominent, and that was Chuck Jones, man. Uh, so I got to imagine he's on your Mount Rushmore. Uh, but who would you say? Now, you, I always give people four because Mount Rushmore, you got four of them. But you also get an honorable mention, so plus one. So who's your four? And your plus one uh, animators, influencers. I've heard somebody say Van Halen on here. I don't know if you work with him, John Sanford. Uh, I had John on not too long ago, and he's like, "I was going to sound weird, but Van Halen was on my my Mount Rushmore." So it doesn't have to be strictly animators. Oh, okay. Um, I can say, uh, I, like I said, I, I, the people I've met, uh, mm -hmm. um, Chuck Jones, definitely, right? Yeah. Al Hirschfeld. Okay. So um, I actually went to visit Al Hirschfeld at his famous red brick apartment in New York City. Um, do you know who that is? That name sounds really familiar. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> uh, where is it? Where is it? You know, you can never grab it when you want it. Uh, there it is. <laughs> Al Hirschfeld. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not familiar. Al Hirschfeld would do like um, caricatures. I have seen this, yes. Um, so he was a huge influence um, and uh, I can't get to that right now. Um, but uh, sorry, I'm off off the line there. Here. Oh, you're, you're perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, so, so, um, oh, yeah, and he would, you know, he signed a bunch of stuff to me and books to me and things like that. He actually did my caricature. Oh, that's so cool. So I went to, um, New York, and uh, that's on my page as well. He did a caricature and of me, and uh, and um, yeah, I paid him, 
but it was an opportunity we, when he visited for Aladdin. Mm -hmm. If you look at what Eric did on uh, on Fantasia Two, the um, the jazz yeah. section yeah. that's all based on Hirschfeld art. Really, I wonder yeah. if that's where I've heard that name then, because I've yeah. watched a lot of videos with Eric, so that might have been in it. Where it might have come up quite a few. He times. He said the genie was based on that. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, Hirschfeld's drawing of Marie Chevalier it was my inspiration for Lumiere. Really, certain aspects of that. In fact, if if you look in the in the Aladdin book, um, I'm gonna go away again. I can find this stupid thing. Um, where is it? Uh, get in the there it is. This. It's in here because Eric used it as an example of uh, of the genie, and uh, and it's so funny because the the genie is the um, uh, where is it here it is the genie there it is this is the this is the thing he talks about this is uh, an example of Hirschfeld's drawing for uh -huh. the and he said oh this is for but if you look yeah, close you look close to the face uh -huh. it's Lumiere. <laughs> That's what I used for the profile Lumiere, the lip sticking out and everything, uh, the, the 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 lip curving in. That's a yeah. Lumiere. That's that's I use that as a reference and as inspiration for the design on Lumiere. Um, and uh, um, so he was a huge influence. His caricatures, uh, him. Uh, I mean, you know, um, Mort Drucker as well, uh, who I also got to meet at a con convention once, and uh, he's a Mad Magazine um, mm -hmm. caricaturist and stuff. So, um, uh, so yeah, Al Hirschfeld would be the other one. Um, the uh, the um, and it, you know, uh, Aaron mentioned was Aaron who mentioned Van Halen. The other no, no, person, John, John John Sanford mentioned John Sanford. That. Okay, the, the the other person um, I I wanted to uh, to to meet um, uh, also music is uh, is let's see here. oh that's too far up to go uh, he's a performer uh, Mike Nesman mm -hmm. and he was one of the monkeys yeah okay. And so I got to meet him, um, a huge fan that's of his work throughout the 70s and 80s and 90s and all that. And so uh, 2019, he just died recently, but 2019, I got to meet him and uh, stuff like that. So that was another one that, that inspired me. I got to meet uh, Dick Van Dyke. That was another mm -hmm. one. Um, unfortunately, I was 10 years too late <laughs> because... Yeah. I just wanted to talk to him about comedy, about timing and stuff like that. When I finally got to meet him, he's not as sharp as he was. You know, I thought I probably would have had a better conversation with him had it been 10 years earlier. Yeah. I think he would have been sharper. It's, you know, it was kind of like, you know, talking to Joe Biden, you know, it's, it was, <laughs> so don't want to get political or anything but you know what i mean it's that yeah. type of thing where you're going okay you see videos of of dick van dyke and in, in um in interviews and stuff like that but that wasn't the person you met yeah so it's like oh i kind of really wish yeah i you know 
because he was his he had such a way uh, a, a pantomime about him and, and and it wasn't just in the stuff where he was performing like in the dick van dyke show there were times when the character rob petrie would be asked to perform at parties or whatever and he would you know do the drunken guy or whatever I'm not even talking about that. That stuff's amazing because he was very rubbery and things like that. But just in the basic performance and, and his attitudes, he drinks so much from his performance and his, the expression that he did, you know? And it, it's, it was just, it's very inspiring. And it, I don't know, the, the way he performed the material, uh, uh, he was one of my favorite uh, performers. Um, and uh, um, yeah, and I, I, other than that, uh, I mean, I guess I could say I, I got to meet Frank and Ollie and those guys. Yeah. Um, um, and I got to, you know, work with Richard Williams and uh, there, there's so many, but, but as, honestly, um, um, they're very few that I remember being very impressed by when I was really young. And those were the ones that really stood out for me. Um, so I don't know if I can give you a full five. Oh, that's uh, perfectly fine because that <laughs> list of people, we all draw inspirations from different, I, 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 I draw inspiration for cooking from photography I see. And it's not even about food. I could just see a color of something or I could see, uh, you know, a shape or uh, I can see something there. And I'm like, man, that would look really cool if it was done with duck and something here and something there. So I see that same and I can draw that same correlation from damn near anything for a professional. And, and it connects with certain people, you know, that connect in with your, yeah. your, your likes. I mean, the same thing. I mean, I mentioned Mike Nesmith, right? Uh, the first film I did, I was telling you about when I took a break from school, I took one of his songs and I animated it, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, so it was a big part of my, you know, mindset. That's the stuff I really liked that I wanted to apply it to the craft that I had and, yeah. and things like that. So yeah, it was, uh, it, it's, uh, it all, all that stuff, inspiration is piled into, uh, to what eventually comes out um, and you use in certain situations. Like I said, I mean, you know, Don Knotts used a bit of that, used a bit of different things. I, I just... It's a melting pot of pop culture. Well, yeah, yeah. I was I was a, I was a TV kid. I grew up... Uh, we moved so many times. Um, after 1968, uh, we were in the same house from the time I was born till 1968, which was uh, seven years there. I had friends. I would never be inside, never watch TV. I would always be out with my friends hanging out. And then we moved and I didn't know anybody. So TV was my friend. And then before I got used to where I was, we move again and we kept moving every couple of years. And uh, so, yeah, I became a TV kid. And that's, you know, basically uh, that's where my sensibilities and my, you know, the comedy influences the things like that that's what the, where that came from and that's the stuff i drew upon when i would approach a scene like what can i do that what makes me laugh what what appeals to me uh, how would i how would i perform that uh, that expression or that that piece of dialogue that's why i was i i when i first started in the industry i worked on some show called the raccoons and 
weren't the best vocal performances, you know, so it wasn't really inspiring. That's one of the reasons I want to get to Disney and, and or work on some of these Hollywood productions because they get the top talent to voice. I mean, the, these, the, the, they get well-written material and they get really good performances out of them because a lot of them are professional actors and, and, uh, and you get stunning performances that just pretty much, I mean, it, people tell me how much they like 80s and all that and my feeling was you know i just listened to james wood's vocal performances and my goal is not don't screw it up Mm -hmm. it's right there you know just you know make sure that you don't screw it up (laughs) it's just you know the inspiration is there so is that the name of your book don't screw it up (laughs) yeah it should be So, well, Nick, man, this has been an absolute blast, man. I can't wait to do it again for a part two. Um, and for sure, we'll, we'll definitely go pretty deep on Hades. And we're, we're for sure going to go a lot deeper than we did on uh, um, Emperor's New Groove. Like I said, this is, I always love when I have a guest on that not only is willing to talk to me because it's never fun trying to talk to somebody that doesn't want to talk to you, but you're, you're very open. You're very forthcoming with your stories. I absolutely love this conversation. It was, it was really cool to just sit here and geek out and listen to somebody that helped, like I said, the same thing that you were just talking about a second ago, helped mold the person you became, you know, your comedy, your sense of comedy, your sense of timing, uh, you, you know, your, your sense of humor and your moralities and all this other shit. I, the same thing was what you guys helped create. It helped mold me and shape me into the person I am. So without, you know, folks like you and folks like Eric and, and, and folks that I've talked to on this podcast, man, I don't really know what I'm into. I'm, I mean, I've got a lot of interests, but there's only one or two things, you know, well, three things, really um, cartoons, comic books and the NBA that really like have a deep hold, you know, in me. Um, and a lot of the movies that you worked on, man, uh-huh. have got a deep hold on me. Um so like I said, I, I really appreciate this, man. Where can the fans go and say, hey, Nick, I love that stuff you did? Or where can they find you on the social media? Well, again, I mean, uh, the Nick Ranieri animator page on Facebook is pretty much where I put my career down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all chronological. So if you go back to uh, the posts from 2012, you can just go through. And basically what I do on that is I just post um i just talk about the scene that i have and it always the, the posts always accompany some sort of image so mm-hmm. uh, if i have a, a, a pencil test to show i'll talk about working on that scene if i have a, a pictures of people in the studio i'll talk about the people in the studio and you know what they worked on and things like that um uh, drawings, put a lot of drawings up, rough drawings, and talk about the designs of different characters and and who did what to the best of my memory. Um, so, you know, Nick Ranieri dash animator, um, uh, Facebook, uh, you'll find a whole ton of stuff. Um, it goes all the way up until the end of Princess and the Fraud. I should talk about, I started to do it 2019 hit I got really busy and then 2020 hit and all that stuff and I I, the real reason is is that it's a hard thing to go and talk about the last remaining years at Disney there's a lot of stuff that went down and uh, I have it's hard I should write it down because it 
it, while it's still fresh in my memory, mm-hmm. I should write it down. Uh, it's just hard to sit down and do it because you get so busy and uh, it's, uh, it was not a great tough time. Yeah, tough time for sure. <laughs> so I, I hope to eventually finish that story of Disney and uh, maybe some other stuff that I did afterwards uh, and other projects. Uh, but uh, that's pretty much there. And then you can, through that, you can always post a, a, a note or uh, the DM on there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the old messenger, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, yeah. And, um, and that's pretty much right now. I, I should have a website. I'm procrastinating on putting it together. Uh, but one of these days I'll get to it uh, probably when I retire. Um, <laughs> uh because yeah I, I work five sometimes six days with overtime um and uh and right now i'm on the simpsons so you know just doing that remotely and uh, it seems to be going well uh that's that's got me uh there's here you go yeah it's got me one of Got me one of these puppies. Oh, that's a beauty. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, that was a shock. I didn't ever expect to win one of these. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a good um, it's a good gig. Is it? Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy that we went almost two hours, right? And we only talked about the Simpsons at the very last so i feel like that's well, going to be the reason is is that the story's not quite over yet so oh i know but that's that know? just signed the next like 14 parts we're going to have together nick this is <laughs> going to be an outstanding journey over the next 10 years i'm really looking forward to it uh but no all, all joking aside man like i said i really enjoyed this conversation there's no way we end this other than man he's been nick i've been julian Simpson, what's in my head podcast and this has been another piece of your childhood good night My guest next week is the voice of Lemelian in My Hero Academia, Rico Fajardo. Enjoy the teaser. Like, what it's it's not, heroism isn't being without fear. It's like, you know, making the choice. Yes. Making the choice despite, in spite of. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, all that to say, I say that as a a preamble to when he he, uh, goes to save Aerie, I get a lot of young kids, man, that approach me and they're like, I hate Aerie. I hate that Muriel lost his quirk. Right. And it's always the same story. They're like, I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid that he yielded his power. And I get it because when you watch, like you said, Naruto, you know, these these shows where you want your character to become more powerful, mm-hmm. you want them to become, have agency in the world. You want them to be able to kick the bad guy's fucking ass, right? Like you want them just to like destroy it. Um, for Mirio, it's um, in, in him losing his quirk, even though it's saying he could have just let it go through bullet maybe would have hit airy what it's her blood does it take away her quirk i don't know we don't know right um we all we know is that the guy who reads emotion says he's doing this for the girl i'm gonna shoot at the girl and he's gonna take the bullet for the girl he does so um predictably all the villains array the invincible kids not invincible anymore and no between when he says you're powerless mirio straight up throws uh, uh, a Corono at, at, at overhaul and says, uh, you know, 
I, I'm, I'm not powerless. I'm still the million. Like, like literally the fight is still going because it's not in a world where everyone bases, bases your value on your quirk. That's what makes you special. You can make, you could say it's a metaphor for money, agency, whatever, education. <clears throat> Even without a quirk, Mirio knows what he's about. And he's trained, he's done he, that support system, man. Like I said, support of dad, his best friend, Amajiki, who like thinks the world of him. Um, Sir Nidai, not even mentioning the guy who can freaking look into your future and yeah. tell you with certainty, I know you're going to be amazing.